amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. All right, so Matt, what has four letters, occasionally has 12 letters, always has six, but never has five? Hmm. I I think I should know this. That was it. I mean, what has four letters, W-H-A-T, occasionally has 12. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Dad. Yep, yep, yep. and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales All right, everybody. Here we are again uh, back from a dark week we appreciate you hanging out with us um, real quick, I wanted to let everybody know to go check out the Podbelly Network, podbelly.com. Grab all of your podcasting needs and find new podcasts there. Um, we wanted to thank everybody who joined us for the live show that we did on our dark week. Um, yeah, that was, was fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, we really enjoyed it and enjoyed being able to talk to you guys and you know interact in that way and show y'all pictures of what we're actually talking about yeah it was like a college lecture yeah i i kept catching myself like pointing at my screen like you guys could see that (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh right here i tried to do it a time or two myself and i was like no that's not gonna work um so we're thinking about doing the next one in kind of the end of february we don't have an exact date yet, but we will let you guys know when we come up with an exact date. Um, we got to talk to the people at SIA and uh, figure out a date. Um, we're going to do this one a little bit differently than we did this last one. The last one, we did a whole new topic of show for you. But what Matt and I thought would be a good idea is to take all of the shows for this month that we covered and let's all go over them together. We can show you the pictures of the places we talked about. We can answer any of the questions you guys have, get any of y'all's theories, and it'll be maybe a little more interactive than the way we did it this first time, because there we just kind of told you something and then talked to you a little bit. But this way, all throughout the show, we can talk to y'all and show y'all pictures of like what we're talking about tonight and the next few episodes. Yeah, so it'll be a lot less of you guys logging in and listening to us ramble on, Mm -hmm. but it'll be more of like... uh, like a round table. Yeah, exactly. You know? And we'll all have swords and we'll drink mead and all that. Wait, that's the yeah, wrong we'll, kind of round table, isn't it? <laughs> we'll finally night mat. That. <laughs> finally. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of being a, 
being a, a squire or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, squire. <laughs> I think that I was trying to think of the word too, but yeah. I, I although I have the hair of a friar, not a squire. <laughs> yeah, squire tuck. Wait, that's not. I, it. Look, I'm I'm even wearing like a brown hoodie tonight, so I kind of look. I have a real friar look tonight. Oh yeah, you do. You should have pulled that up a little bit over there. <laughs> All right, so uh, without any further ado, Matt, why don't you tell us what we're talking about tonight, brother? Okay, so tonight, we're talking about something pretty scary, uh, if it happened. Uh, We're going to talk about the haunting of the Smurl family. That's Smurl. Smurl. (laughs) S-M-U-R-L. Smurl. Yeah. And, And they... Ah, this story, it's its crazy. It's its ridiculously violent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really scary. And it involves two of those people that always come up when you have a story like this, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, this is this is going to be interesting. It, it's it's a story that you may have heard. It's not it's it's not their most famous, um, but it's one of them. It's also um, not a deep cut, you know. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's it's like, you know, third down on the playlist. Yeah, right. Um, but it's it's interesting. It it it, it produced a, a you know, a best-selling book, um a, a made for TV movie when they used to make movies for TV. Right. Um so it would be yeah. made for Netflix movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know. So uh so yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get into this story, and um, if you've heard the story before, we may go over some details that you were unfamiliar with. So, Hopefully, so let's get rolling. <laughs> All right. So, like Matt said, this is the Smurl family, and the Smurls, Jack and Janet, and their children were what most people considered a typical family for the seventies and eighties. Um, nothing really out of the ordinary with them. They, you know, for that time. I mean, it's like we've talked before, you get certain decades in history where if you were a little bit, little bit odd, like I would be crucified in most decades previous to this one, <laughs> you know, just because really I'm crucified. You're going that far. I, well, yeah, something I'd be, I don't know. I'd be something, but uh, they wouldn't allow me. I'd be ostracized uh, from most communities. There you go. There you go. Um, but they they weren't anything like that. They were just a, a regular, quote unquote, regular old family. Um, they were frequent churchgoers. Um, and Jack Smurl actually stated himself that they were pillars of the community. Um, I think it's funny that. I love he, that term. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's funny that he said that about himself and his wife. Yeah. That's not something you say about that I about t- yourself. <laughs> You know, that's as bad as giving yourself a nickname. (laughs) You know, you just don't do it. All right. Come on, T-Bone. Get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best and worst nickname I've ever had. (laughs) So uh, after flood damage forced them from their Wilkes Bar home, Jack and Janet Smurl, along with their children, Heather, Shannon, Dawn and Karen, decided to leave uh, leave that home in that was about 1973 and they decided to move to a quote semi-detached home in a suburb of 
Pittson, Pennsylvania. And it was it, it was purchased by Jack's parents, John and Mary. So the the Smurl family, Jack and Janet and their kids, moved to the left side of this home. It's kind of like a yeah. duplex. It's a duplex. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they moved to the left side and, and Jack's parents moved over to the right side. This, uh, this duplex was what most people would consider a fixer upper. Um, so they had to put a lot of their efforts when they first moved in into repainting, retooling and doing all the repairs there. Um, and about this time is when the activity started and, We've talked about this before. When you start doing something to a house, you start renovating a house or changing something, that's when any spirits that are at the home might get a little more active because, again, you're in that in-between space. The, the house is in between states of being, mm-hmm. so it, it can kind of cause more activity to show up. Yeah, because it's like the, what, the first 18 months that they lived there were pretty uneventful. Yeah. Yep. You know, just like yep. any other house. Um, and when the experiences did start, they they seemed pretty harmless in the very beginning. You know, tools would go missing and then reappear, which that happens to me all the time. And then I just realized I misplaced them. I put it in the wrong toolbox or something. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Same here. That's old age. That's what's happening. Um, Somebody stole it. <laughs> yeah. Who stole my needle nose pliers? Yeah, exactly. Or I blame I blame one of the kids. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm like, Michael, did you take my needle nose pliers? Where'd you put them? He's like, I didn't take them. I walked back out there and oh, they were in the drawer to the right. I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> my yeah, fault. Amanda, Amanda calls me the no, the non looker. <laughs> yeah. It'd be right in front of me. Where is it? Yeah. Well, if it here, if it's right here, in front non-looker. of you, it's hard to see. You know, you don't expect it to be right in front of you. So some of the other things that started to go on was like old wall stains that they had painted over when they were doing the repairs would seep back up to the surface. And no matter how much they painted, they would still come back to the surface. I mean, that that does happen in, quote, hauntings. But it also happens just if you got a very aggressive, uh, you know, stain or something on the wall. Um, yeah. you know, in my past life, I used aniline dye a lot at work and that stuff would leach through anything. You could put it, 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 I mean, put it on the top of a piece of wood and it would leach through four inches of maple all the way to the other side. Yeah. So depending on what you've got, it can pull through paint, you know, um, dark stains would also show up on the carpet and they were always coming back. They'd scrub them, get them clean. Then they'd yeah. come back. Well, that, that happens. That happens a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Down in the sponge of the carpet there. Um, the toilets and sinks in the bathroom would end up with scratches all over them, even though they were the ones that Jack had just replaced. So that was weird. Something that's scratching yeah, that, linoleum. That doesn't that doesn't happen very often. No, no. If you've got <laughs> kids, you know how rough they can be on linoleum, you know, sinks and stuff that doesn't happen even with kids. So. That's a a rough thing to scratch linoleum. Well, the toilets would start flushing by themselves and household electronics would just start shutting down. So here we start getting into things that electronics shutting down. This is stuff that more classic haunting because they say if a spirit is trying to manifest, it will shut down your electronics. 
Well, the kitchen appliances started to catch fire, even though they were unplugged, which is scary, not just inconvenient, but it's scary as well. Awful odors would also start to take over the entire house, and they would disappear just as quickly as they came up. So you're walking through and smells like a skunk or something, but then it's gone all of a sudden. So they had that typical knocking on walls, and sometimes it was in threes, which, I mean, I think I want to say Matt and I have talked about that before, where in supposed demonic possessions of an area, there will be knocking in threes, kind of a mocking of the Holy Trinity. Um, mm-hmm. So they start. We, I think we discussed that when we were either talking about exorcisms or maybe maybe in the poltergeist episode. No, yeah, maybe so, maybe so. You know, but I, I, we, we have maybe maybe you and I have discussed it before. But either way, <laughs> it's come up before. Yeah, right. So <laughs> they were having that going on, and something that would be really creepy is they would hear horse breathing in the walls not like a, a horse breathing but like h-o-a-r-s-e <laughs> like ah, that horses got stuck in the walls yeah got mr ed stuck in the wall again get the carrots <laughs> right <laughs> but i mean having a horse breath coming from inside the walls would just be creepy to me if you heard a, yeah. a deep raspy breath and couldn't figure out where it was coming from because no matter how much they searched and looked you know, they couldn't find where this noise was coming from. And, you know, you could chalk it up to old house, you know, yeah. but they, I don't know, they replaced a lot of things and it would happen again because their TV caught fire out of the blue, just like all the kitchen appliances and the pipes, the water pipes in the wall would leak. Jack would repair them. And then they would start leaking again, no matter how many times he repaired them. So, you know, I'm all for an old house until you start replacing everything. And then it still does it, even though you've replaced it. Yeah. You're either a really bad handyman or you got a (laughs) spirit. It's like, you know, Jack's a terrible plumber. Yeah, right. (laughs) Or else something's causing this. Yeah. And either one is possible at this point. I don't know how Jack, how handy Jack was, you know. I'll tell you what, if if I replaced a leaky pipe or something in my house and within a few days it was leaking again, I I wouldn't default to demonic possession of the house. Right, me either. <laughs> I would default to, I'm the equivalent of Super Mario when it comes to being a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm not a good plumber, so I I get that. Even after all of these things started happening and they were fixing the pipes, they were cleaning the walls, repainting the walls, cleaning the carpet, they decided to stay. Now, wouldn't that be enough to make most people leave at that point? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it would really make me question leaving at, you know, I, if all that kept happening and I couldn't find a source, I'd be like, maybe we need to start looking for another place. I may not bolt yeah. right then, but I'm going to start looking. Anyway, scratching. Yeah. Scratching on the toilets and the breathing. Man, that'd, that'd make me start to go. Hmm. Right. Maybe, maybe I ought to start uh, 
looking at some other places to live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe there's a rental property down the road. I would, I would start looking. Sure. Let's say that. Sure. I would just kind of keep my eyes open. Right. <laughs> but at that time, they were just kind of thinking like you and I were talking earlier that there was a plumbing problem or there was an electrical problem with the house since it was an old home after all. Um, well, around this same time, Jack got a promotion at his job. Um, and he was also working as, excuse me, burped. Um, <laughs> he was also working as his daughter's softball coach. So Janet became pregnant again, and she was also helping to organize an anti-drunk driving group at the local high school. Well, the daughters were doing really well in school, and the in-laws uh, seemed to be happy with everything, um, and everything was going in their favor. But all of that was about to change. Soon, the Smurls were struggling to make ends meet. Mary, Jack's mother, suffered a heart attack during all of this. And during all that time, the encounter seemed to intensify. So, again, there are, there is evidence of, you know, demons or spirits, evil spirits, capitalizing on misfortune and kind of compounding it because of the negative energy in a home. We've talked about that, that, you know, they can latch on to negative energy and make it even worse for you. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the creepiest ways in which the haunting manifested was pretty much in the sound of it. There would be moans and blood curdling screams that tore through the house at all hours of the day and night. Many of these sounds reportedly took on the voices of the Smurl family. Mary and Janet claimed that they had heard voices that sounded like the other's voice. So Janet thought she heard her mother-in-law calling her name, and Mary thought she heard Janet and Jack in an argument that was full of explicatives. So they were cussing at each other and everything from what Mary could hear. Yeah. Now that, that would be enough. Yeah. My, uh, my keeping my eyes open would turn into an active search. Yep. No kidding. You know, that would be a <clears throat> nope. Maybe I'm out. A, maybe, maybe a reservation at the Motel 6. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. Because I'm, I'm already living at the Motel 666, so I got to ah, get out. Ah, nice. <laughs> well played. <laughs> well, around this time, ominous black masses would start to form and float through the house as well. So if the voices didn't do it for you, this certainly is going to do it for you. Get yeah. you to nope right out of there. So Janet said she was visited in the middle of the night by a malevolent force that molested her in her sleep. So... Along with that, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, that no joke. Why are you still there? Right. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more um, as the episode goes on. Why they might still be there. Um, but claw marks would also show up on the walls as if some large animal had scratched the wall violently. So it would look like a bear had come in and just ripped their wallpaper or their drywall. It was just crazy, the size of these large scratches. Well, up to this point, now, you remember everything that's happened, right? Up to this yeah. point, Jack was kind of not believing everything because he hadn't experienced as much for himself. 
So he was at work when most of that happened or whatever. But I'm like, you've had all this happen and you're still like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I doubt it. You know, I don't know. <laughs> well, how do you hide claw marks on the wall? Yeah. Well, I'm, if he didn't see it, he's probably the kind of guy that was like, oh, that must have been the kids. You know what? Your kid's a werewolf. Yeah. You no know, joke. Kids got Come three on. inch claws. <laughs> but you live with Wolverine. Yeah, exactly. It, it's baby Wolverine. Um, but it was shortly after Janet's last encounter that he had an experience of his own. Now, he was laying in bed with Janet and he heard someone whispering. He said it sounded kind of like a young woman. Well, when he turned to look at his wife, he watched a shadowy figure run up her leg. So, mm, 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 yeah. Mm. <laughs> what does it look like? I don't know. A shadowy figure running up a leg. I, I got, well, hey, we'll find a picture of it and put it in the live show we do at the end of this month. There you go. Uh, well, after that night, uh, life in the Smurl house started to get a little bit darker, um, as if it can get darker than it already is. Yeah. Well, a light fixture fell from their ceiling, cutting one of their daughters on impact. So either he's, again, a, a crappy electrician putting up ceiling fans or whatever, and that fall just randomly, or you've got something going on here. The family dog was also thrown against the wall. Janet said she was picked up by an invisible presence, and it dangled her about six feet in the air, and then tossed her across the room. Good Lord. Right? How much energy does that take to have that happen? I, you know, I, I can't even get around that. I mean, that that right there sounds like poltergeist yep. stuff. Yep. I mean, you just, you know, ru- what, what we would talk about as a routine haunting, you don't hear that kind of yeah. activity. You know, my, the 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 physical the touching and and all of that maybe but this the 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 physical violence from an entity against a human is that that sounds like what you hear when you start looking into poltergeist activity right right it it would be poltergeist or demonic would be my two choices um cuz like you said routine hauntings don't normally have that violent a thing where they're attacking you, they're pushing you, they're throwing stuff at you. That's not a routine haunting. Mm-hmm. Janet said she woke up several nights being levitated out of her own bed. On another occasion, an invisible entity bit Jack in the face and threw another one of their daughters down a set of stairs. Jeez. It's getting worse. Well, Jack said that a succubus had entered their living room and molested him while he watched a baseball game. Well, he later claimed that while he attempted to say the rosary during this, the creature dragged him around his room to make him stop. Well, even the neighbors reported hearing screams from the house when the family wasn't even there. So at this point, the family knew they needed to contact someone. So they reached out to the local just now. just now. It's at this point. They're like, you know what? We've been bit, cussed at, had stuff thrown, whatever. We finally need to talk to somebody. So they reached out to their local Catholic church to see if an exorcism could be performed on the house. But the church refused. 
Yeah, they said, no way, Jose. Yeah, right. That sounds scary as hell. Yeah, I'm not going in there. <laughs> said, well, uh, do that yourself. Okay, so in January of 1986, Janet had heard about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Who hadn't? Yeah, and they decided they would reach out. So the Warrens show up with a woman named Rosemary Frew. I'm not, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm probably not. But uh, Rosemary, huh? Fruitat. Fruitat. So, so Rosemary was a registered nurse and psychic, and she began the investigation by questioning the Smurls about their religious beliefs, about how happy their family life was, and whether or not they had ever practiced Satanism. <laughs> uh, okay, this is... This is a weird interview. Yeah, right. right. Well, it's a weird house. So Yeah, that's right. So she asked whether or not they had ever used a Ouija board uh, or had in any way invited the supernatural into their home. And the Smurl said, no, are you nuts? Why would we do that? (laughs) So then the Warrens and, and Rosemary walked the house and identified the bedroom closet as what they called the crossover point between the two sides um, of the duplex. Now, after the inspection, Lorraine Warren concluded that the Smurls shared their home with four different spirits. One was a harmless elderly woman. Another was a young and possibly violent girl. Another was a man who suffered and died in the home. And the fourth was a demon. Of course it that, was. That was using the other three spirits to try and destroy the Smurl family. They better be paying rent. There's a ton of them. <laughs> yeah, your share of the rent is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, the lease won't let us keep all four of you. <laughs> right, only so one, one of you. One's got to go. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll give you one guess who that's going to have to be. <laughs> right. It's not the old lady. <laughs> so without there being any evidence of, of the family being in any kind of discord or, or domestic issue, um, without there being evidence of a, an occult invitation, no, no seances or any of that, no tragedy for the family in the house, the Warrens could only decide that the demon must have been dormant maybe even for decades and had risen up to draw on the emotional energy generated by the girl's entrance into puberty now where have we heard that before yep poltergeist yep. go back check out okay. our poltergeist episode so th- there's so many of these situations with this poltergeist activity revolve around you know Preteen girls going into puberty, mm-hmm. you know, either, either it's just, uh, you know, all the hormones that, that are associated with, you know, that, that change in your life and, and just the emotions involved, you know, produce this kind, or they produce the energy that this entity feeds off of, right? which is kind of what the Warrens are saying. Yep. You know, they're like, you know, these girls are going through a really, you know, hard emotional time in their life. And this demon is feeding on that. So 
the Warrens tried on two separate occasions to induce the demon to expose itself uh, using religious provocation by, by playing tapes of religious music and confronting it with prayer. Now, the demon reacted by shaking a mirror in dresser drawers and another time by spelling out, you filthy bastard, get out of this house. Well, okay. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm done. If I had, if I wasn't done already, I'm done now. Yeah, right. You know, the the portable television would emit this eerie, silvery white glow, and only prayer and holy water seemed to stop these manifestations. So the disturbances continued, and at times worsened. the The eerie glow returned. The pounding on the walls would get worse. And Jack and Janet were slapped, bitten, and viciously tickled. Viciously tickled. <laughs> when I read that, I immediately thought of like this demon tickling Elmo. Yeah. You know, well, viciously. It just makes me think of like <laughs> what a big brother does to a little brother. You know, yeah. like sitting on him and tickling him and then taking his hand and go, quit hitting yourself. Quit hitting yourself. Now, listen, in all seriousness, I, I am extremely tickled. Me too. And and I cannot I cannot stand it. Yep. It 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 will it will bring me to my knees. So I can I can appreciate the horror oh, that yeah. Jack and Janet went through being tickled by a demonic ent- oh, yeah. entity. I've told it, it must be the worst form of tickling ever. <laughs> I have told Michael and Ashley both. I said, Look, <laughs> if you tickle me, I am not responsible for what my flailing arms oh, or legs hit. Yeah. If you end no up kidding. with a black eye, I will apologize now. But I'm telling you, I flail. You tickle, I flail. That's just how it happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're such a pair. Oh, you know yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the small items disappearing kept happening. And one day, Janet actually tried to talk to the demon, asking it to rap once for yes and twice for no. Well, that's dumb. And so she asked the demon whether it was there to harm them. And it knocked once. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. You figured it out after all this time. Yeah. Hey, how long did that take you? <laughs> so, Ed Warren was actually choked and and developed severe flu-type symptoms. Janet was reportedly sexually assaulted by an incubus. And, and the succubus that assaulted Jack, he described as... Being having the body of a young woman, the head of an old woman, red eyes, and green yellowish gums. Phew. That, wow. That's gross. Yeah. Also, they could hear pig noises in the wall. You know. So we've gone from horses to pigs. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> the pigs, if you remember, that that shows up in the Bell Witch. Yeah. The Bell Witch had yeah, pigs exactly. and pig noises. Yeah. So the Smurls said that they tried several times to to garner some support and action from the Catholic Church. And the Roman Catholic Diocese of Scranton said it would consult experts, but really it, it acted like it didn't want to help much beyond that. Right. So at one point, Janet thought she was getting help from a Father O'Leary, but discovered that this Father O'Leary didn't really exist. So she assumed that it was the demon posing as a priest. 
Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got me. Yeah. yeah that's a good one. Good yeah. joke, buddy. Good joke. <laughs> so the Warrens called in Father Robert McKenna, who they had worked with in the past. And McKenna was more of a traditional priest who he, he refused to follow the guidelines set forth by the Second Vatican Council in the early 60s, which made him more of a rogue priest to the Catholic Church. So this wasn't really outside of his wheelhouse. So McKenna, like I said, he had worked with the Warrens in the past and was open to helping the Smurls, but the initial exorcism that he performed seemed to only antagonize the demon, making the attacks worse on the family. So thanks for that, brother. Yeah. So their daughter, Karen, fell seriously ill, developed a strange fever, and nearly died. Dawn was nearly raped by the presence. Janet and Mary had slash marks and bites on their arms, and everyone was depressed. Well, newsflash. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) with all that, if it wasn't just the demonic presence making you depressed all of the other stuff that went on would depress you you know right. personally right it, but oh oh ed 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 had a reason so ed warren explained that with this depression they had moved into the second demonic stage as he called it which is called oppression which uh follows the infestation and is eventually followed by possession and death. Yep. So um, I think we have discussed the stages of demonic possession with the infestation, oppression. I believe we did. Possession and death. So um, Ed Warren feared that this is what was happening to this family. Now, Father McKenna attempted a second exorcism in the spring, but this too was unsuccessful. By this point, the demon was harassing Jack at work, and the family, they even claimed that it followed them on a camping trip to the Poconos. Wow. Yeah. You know, out there roasting marshmallows, and here this demon is. Yep. (laughs) Offer it a s'more. (laughs) Right. Who doesn't like a s'more? You know. With uh, with prayer and exorcism seemingly having no impact on the attacks, the Smurls decided that they would go public with their story in the hopes that someone would be able to help. So the family contacted the media, right? So why? I mean, that just sounds like a terrible idea to me. It does from the yeah. get-go. It sounds like a yeah, terrible we've idea. We've got all this, all this crap going on. I'm going to contact Channel 4 News and have them come out here and talk to me. Mm-hmm. No, not a good plan. And I I can not only get ridiculed in my own house, let everybody yeah, outside my house ridicule me. Ridiculed publicly. on national TV. That's great. So it, it didn't help. If, if anything, it made it worse. Yeah, exactly. Because the, the only thing that happened at this point was a nonstop barrage of media attention. Mm-hmm. You had weirdos camping out in front of their house. Cameras flashed all the time. Reporters were flooding their lawn. And cars of onlookers would cruise up and down their street just trying to catch a glimpse of something from a, quote, another dimension. Mm-hmm. So you've got everybody 
and everybody and their mama is showing up at your house trying to catch a glimpse of what you say is happening. That's not going to make it any better, Smurls. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no, this was this was a bad move. No. So uh-huh. to quote the the family, they found themselves at the center of a media circus. And it well, you know, duh. Again, another duh moment here. Yeah. Like why, how did you not know that was going to happen? I, you know, I can give them a little bit of leeway on this because after all that they had been through, I mean, they just, they, where, they didn't have anywhere else to turn. The Catholic church wasn't helping. Um, yeah. the Warrens weren't really helping. They seemed to be making things worse. The mm-hmm. exorcisms that McKenna had tried, they weren't helping. So where else are they going to turn? I mean, I, I, I get it in that respect. And you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. so you can we can look at it and go oh it was a terrible idea why the hell did you do that yeah but i can i I can see where they just thought we've got nowhere else to turn maybe somebody out there will hear our story and and say okay you know i i know what's going on i can help or i know someone that can help because the people they had weren't really doing doing the job so that's true. It it would get your story out to where maybe someone saw it yeah. that could help, but you you got to know it's going to cause this barrage right. of you know unwanted attention. And I can I can only imagine after all this time that it was in the back of their mind that this was a a very very good possibility. Otherwise, they would have done it sooner. Yeah. You know, they had to know, you know, we're going to go public with this and we're going to get overloaded with, you know, either reporters or, you know, newspaper, television people. We're going to we're going to be just trashed in the in the media. Mm -hmm. So they they had to have suspected that that was a possibility. That's why I'm thinking they just they didn't have anywhere else to turn. Yeah. So with all these reporters, point. yeah, with all these reporters and and news people on their on their lawn, essentially, um, Ed Warren decided that he was just he was taking over that you know that he was going to have all the control of this investigation, and all these reporters had had put in requests to stay in the house, and Ed Warren refused to let anybody in, saying that. They didn't pay attention to him when the Smurls first, you know, went to the media and asked someone to spend a night, spend the night so they could witness what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so now it was completely out of the question. No one was coming in, which that I think was a terrible move. If, you know, if, if this is really what's going on, you know, Ed should have let some people come in there and, and see firsthand. I think it, if, it certainly it. couldn't have hurt anything. Right. Right. At this point, it couldn't have, I hate to say it couldn't have gotten worse, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have It could have gotten worse, but I don't know that it could have gotten, you know, at this point, how much worse could it have gotten? It, it would have killed them. Right. You know, they were almost that close anyway. Sure, yep. You know. But um, Warren said that the Smurls would no longer deal with the press, and he was in charge. The Smurls contacted a medium named Mary Alice Rinkman, who examined the house and corroborated the Warren's findings of four spirits. She identified one as a confused old woman named Abigail. 
and another as a dark mustachioed man named Patrick, who had murdered his wife and her lover and had been hanged by a mob. Now, that is some negative energy. Yeah, in no a house. joke. No okay? joke. So, so, okay, so let's play devil's advocate here. Not literally. Um, <laughs> we've yeah. kind of already been doing that. Was that intentional? <laughs> no, but, you know, if you've listened to this show at all, you know, one thing that that Adam and I discuss when we talk about hauntings is energy mm-hmm. and, and what can what can cause spirits to stick around. And negative energy really seems to be the pull. But large amounts of negative energy, if you believe this, seems to be very attractive to these demonic entities. Yep. And that could have been the event that pulled a demon in or the demon was there and that's what caused that event. Yeah. You know, um, but the, but Mary Alice Rinkman agreed that the fourth entity in the home was a powerful demon. Now with all the media coverage, the Scranton diocese felt that now it had to act and it's getting pressure. You know, it mm-hmm. looks it looks bad. You guys hadn't done anything up to this point. How come? Yep. Oh, they felt like okay, so they they decided they would act. Now, multiple priests visited the Smurls to bless their home, and they reportedly encountered quote no harmful activity while on the property. Hmm. Okay. So, in 1986, an area priest actually moved into the house hoping to witness the demonic forces firsthand, but nothing happened. And after a couple of nights, he left. Right. Now, the Reverend Alphonsus Traveled of the St. Bonaventure University asked the diocese if he could investigate. He said he believed the Smurls were sincere and disturbed by the events, but he couldn't say for sure that a demonic presence was causing the problem. Now, in September of 86, Father Robert McKenna performed his third exorcism, which initially seemed to have helped. So several months went by without any disturbances until one day Jack caught sight of the black form again and the noises and the odors and the violent attacks soon returned so just beaten down under the attacks from within the house and now battling the media attacks from outside the smurls had had reached their limit and in 1987 moved away from the home on chase street now the book the haunted written by robert curran was published in 1988 after the Smurls had moved away and it details the horrible events that they endured while they lived in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, and by 1989, the Catholic church performed the fourth exorcism on the home. And from that point, no further disturbances were reported by any of the subsequent tenants. So that one might've worked. Um, well, if there were four entities, it may have taken four exorcisms to get them all out. Maybe. But I'm thinking you don't really have to exercise ghosts that aren't 
causing problems or yeah. ghosts that were being controlled uh, or influenced by a demon that were, you know, causing problems. But, you know, I'm just thinking if this demon was this powerful, he didn't need the other three. You know, he could have handled this all by himself. Yeah. You know, they were probably it's just true. trapped and as scared as the Smurls was. Again, this is this is really if you're if you're buying into this. And mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't. And not only did they not buy into the Smurl story, they didn't buy into the Warrens. You know, the Warrens already had a little bit of a reputation. And, you know, some people really felt like, you know, they were legit and on the up and up and were looking to help people. And a lot of people just felt that they were like snake oil salesmen. Sure. You know, that they they were in this for the money, that they 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 caused more problems than they solved, um, that there really was no such thing as these these demonic entities or spirits or poltergeists or any of this stuff that, you know, the Warrens seemed to run around and and, and attack. Mm-hmm. But but this was unique for them because this was local for them, you know? So, you know, it, it was a little different when it was in their own backyard. So I don't know. We're, we're not going to just really dig into the Warrens in this episode. I mean, I, we, we could, we could talk, we could do an episode on the Warrens and may need um, to. And, uh, you know, they were, they were some unique individuals that they and, were. I mean, Lorraine Warren just passed um, mm-hmm. just within the last several months, and uh, she was 92. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I've, no, seen, I, I've seen the movies. I think the movies are, are always going to be much more sensationalized than what they ever really experienced. Sure. Regardless of what they say. Um, but it, it just seems... It, you know, there, there are so many of these stories and, and the Warrens were involved in so many well-publicized hauntings. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm on the fence. I, I don't know whether to buy into it or to just go, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, and, well, I and, mean, for, for the Smurls, you got, you got to look at a few of the things that we always talk about when we talk about a highly publicized haunting you know what if they were making all of it up you got to look at how did they pull off some of this stuff with ed and lorraine there unless ed and lorraine were in on it right um and then what did they gain besides attention you know did they they really didn't get any money in their time, except maybe from the sale of that book. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, there there are points about this that make me feel like it could be a hoax because we didn't have anybody that legitimately witnessed most of it, except for Ed and Lorraine and the people around them. Yeah. The, the diocese felt like that there wasn't anything there. And the short time that they allowed the media to be around, there wasn't any, quote, screams being heard outside of the house like the neighbors said, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you could hear screams. Well, the media would have said, oh, yeah, we heard those. Y'all y'all left and we were still here and there was screaming coming from the house and we got it documented. 
So I don't know. I, I I'm not. We're not ones to tell anybody what to believe as far as hauntings go. But I'm kind of. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning to more this one. I've got to look at with a a different scope because yeah. we don't have enough information. And and you know I I thought hard about this when people will consider the idea that this went on for 13 years. Okay. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but you know, why would they, why would they carry this on for so long? That's true. But you got to think back and say, Hmm, nobody else had any kind of evidence or experience other than the family mm-hmm. for all that time leading up to 1986. Right. So if if you are completely convinced that this is a hoax, I can see where you get that because really nothing is is going on that is involving anyone outside the family until 1986. Yeah, and the so last couple of years. For a year. Yeah. This is when it's getting publicized. A year. Now, I mean, they could tell you all kinds of stories that happened for the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. They may not have ever really happened. It's not documented. And that, right. and, and that does come up for these people that say that it is 100% false, that they made this up completely. I just, when I think about it, though, I think, okay. You you had to get Jack and Janet in on it for sure. So if if mm-hmm. one of them decided that this is what they were going to do, they had to convince the other one to do it. Then not only that, you had to convince small children to go along with it as well. Yeah. Okay. Four four kids, not just one. Yeah. And and you you have to convince them that they can't tell anybody the truth, mm-hmm. or or you have to. You you have to come up with things that make them believe that it's real, right? You know, you you have that was to, my other thought. You have to stage some things, which isn't hard. But I'm telling you, I mean, my youngest kids are ten and seven. They look at everything with this eye of skepticism. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean you won't scare them, right? But they're not a hundred percent buying in every time. They're immediately going to think that one of us is pulling something over. Sure, you sure. know that. So. That would be really hard to do for yeah. that length of time, at least in my eyes. Oh, yeah. You know, Michael if, if, always blames me. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they they don't they don't want to default to the idea that there's a ghost in their house. Right. I mean, that is not there is got to be an explanation because, I mean, they're kids. They don't want the they, they get scared and they don't they don't want to be laying in the bed and thinking, what if it's not mom and dad? Mm-hmm. You know, what if what if it really is? a ghost? They don't want that. Right. I can't imagine any parents wanting that for their kids either. Yeah, why would um, you put your kids through that? But there was other evidence beyond just speculation that this could have been a hoax. Now, during the time the Warrens were investigating, Ed made audio and video recordings of the events. Now, Ed said that they had recorded paranormal sounds, groanings and gruntings, as he said, and had a videotape of an image of a uh, the image of a dark mass moving around the house now when he was asked by journalist and by psychop to produce the tapes 
he declined. And he told one journalist that he had given the tapes to a TV company, the name of which he couldn't remember. Oh, geez. Now, now later, he claimed to have turned them the tapes over to the Catholic Church. However, some 10 years later, the Catholic Diocese of Scranton would claim to have never had any such tapes that were the property of the Warrens. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about this earlier. We touched on it. One obvious question that skeptics always ask is, why the heck did they stay in this house for this length of time if the attacks were so violent right, and so distressing? But the Smurls had a response. They said that because they believed that the demon could apparently follow them anywhere, and which they felt like having, you know, Jack having been harassed at work, Camping. And with it apparently going on the camping trip with them, that had they just up and left, it would have just followed them wherever they went. Sure. So that, you know, they felt like it was somehow attached to them and not necessarily the house. Why go through the trouble if it's just going to follow me? Right. Right. And, and you know, maybe I get that to some degree. But Paul Kurtz, who was uh, the chairman of the, the Committee for Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, Psychop, as I mentioned earlier, uh, he sought to investigate, but the family put him off, and so did the Warrens. And Kurtz proposed that he would pay the family to spend a week in a hotel with a private security guard while a team of investigators examined the house. Now, Kurtz also offered free psychiatric and psychological examinations, which might have provided clues to the activity. Now, the Smurls said that Psychop had already made up its mind that their story was a hoax, and they had chosen to work with the Warrens and the Catholic Church. Now, two Psychop investigators went to the Smurl house but were denied entrance. And Kurtz later wrote an, in an article uh, that he had written for the Skeptical Inquirer um, that the the case was not a case of paranormal activity and. Since the Smurls had denied um, access to Psychop investigators, um, they were only afraid of what the investigators would uncover. So he also cited discrepancies in Dawn Smurls' accounts of her experiences and was very critical of the Warrens always. And Kurtz also, <laughs> this is a good one. He suggested there were natural explanations for some of the uh, experiences that the Smurls had had. One was an abandoned mind, uh, an abandoned mind. You got one of those. (laughs) Yeah, right now I do. (laughs) Abandoned mind voids in the area, settling and creating strange noises. Okay. Uh, Delusions by Jack Smurl that he was raped by a ghost. Okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. A broken sewer pipe causing the foul smells. How long was this sewer pipe broken? Right. Before somebody it, said, hey, we got a broken sewer pipe. Let's go fix it. Yeah. How did it go away so quickly? The the smells. Yeah. And the last was pranks by teenagers. Mm-hmm. Whoa, wait. Seriously? Yeah. How did... How did that's, some, that's some heavy duty pranking. I was going to say, how, how did they get in the house to do all those pranks? Can you imagine, you know, That's Ed just, Lorraine, Ed Lorraine walking in one day and go, ah, you've been punked. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher, please step out. You, 
Yeah. What's what's his face from Candid Camera comes out? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, so Coit, uh, Coit, Kurtz also pointed out that there were no police records of complaints of the haunting by Mrs. Smurl, although she had said that she had contacted police. So there's the, uh, the thing about there's no, there's no record of anything happening for the, the 12 years leading up to 1986. So she claims, Janet claimed that she had contacted the police, but there was no police record that she had done so. Well, now, and one thing to say about that is if somebody contacted the police about it in that that time, um, if they didn't find it credible, they may not have written it down. You know, it, it's true. not like where now if you call and you do that, somebody's going to say, oh, well, you're crazy. We need to take take this down in evidence in case you do something else later. At that point in time, it could have been like, ah, oh, this is a nutcase. She's been drinking. Just don't yeah. worry about it, you know. But, you know, in reality, though, they they have to follow up on all that crap. Now, wh- whether or not they did in the 80s, I don't know. But I know nowadays I've, 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 I've researched enough to know that, you know, when something is going down and, and the police are getting reports, the crazies come out of the woodwork mm-hmm. and they can't just decide, well, this guy's a lunatic right? and not follow up. They right. have to document it. And they have, that's why they say, look, if, if, if this isn't legit information with what we're looking into, please don't, don't clog this up because it uses up resources right? because they can't just go, nah, that's dumb. Yeah. You know, I know they have to do that up. now, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if, that they did that in '86. Yeah. But I, I would imagine that they, if if they, if if a neighbor had called or if you know Janet had called, they would have at least gone out to go like, uh, this woman may be getting beat up by her husband, and yeah, that's we, true. We need to we need to check into this. Yeah, and then they get out there and they realize, okay, well, something else is going on. But there would have been there should have been at least a small paper trail, but there's not. Now, Kurtz also wondered about their motivation to make money off of this case. Um, Since the Smurls had begun talking with Hollywood film companies shortly after the story broke to the press, but the Smurls denied any interest in in money. Um, That's always going to come up. Sure. And and my, my thought is, is how much money could you really make? Yeah. I mean... It would have to be a lot to have put up with the crap that they put up with from the media. Yep. I mean, it really. would be for me. And I mean, it would have to be like some life changing money, enough money for me to go. All right. Adios. I'm out mm-hmm. and and just vanish because this story was going to follow them wherever they went. Sure. So I can't imagine, you know, getting some upfront cash for a guy to write a book or Somebody offering them, you know, a, a a check to to have the rights to make the movie was was gonna be just life altering for them. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was, but it, it seems like to do something like this for the sole purpose of monetary gain that that's that seems like a little much, right? You know, now maybe for Ed and Lorraine. I mean, hell, they had a career at this. 
Yeah, Ed so, Lorraine could have could have pulled it off, and whatever they got from it would have been enough to, you know, just pad their pockets a little bit. And that's another thing when we talk about Ed and Lorraine. If if that was the case, then why didn't they just go, "Hey, we solved it. We got it. Mm-hmm. We got it out." You know. Yep. Pull a Ghostbusters on them. Hey, we came, we saw, yeah. we kicked its ass. I'm like, why not do that? I mean, you know, I mean, yep. and just take off. If it was fake, okay, we'll buy into this fake. We're going to use this as huge publicity for ourselves, and y'all are going to get better. We're gonna we're gonna make a little bit of dough on this, and it's going to go away. And we're going to say that we fixed the problem, and we're going to take off. And they did not. They did not do that. They did not fix the problem. Their priest did not fix the problem. Um, so I, I, I don't look at this and go, oh yeah, they they were looking for a payday. Because if they were looking for a payday, it would have stopped abruptly after a few months of this media deal, and they would have been gone. And the Warrens yep. would have been like, hey, you remember that Smurl case that came up? We fixed that one. We can fix yours. You know, you'd have yep. been seeing them on TV. You know, and they could have, you know, sold the property and torn down the house so that there was yeah. never any evidence, so no one could figure it out. Yeah. So, you know, with the whole hoax thing, I don't think if it was a hoax, I don't think you can pigeonhole it into one thing. You know, if 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 they perpetuated this big of a hoax, there was something more involved. It was much more convoluted right. than just money or just attention or something. I mean, right. there, there, there was some underlying things that were never made public really. Sure. So on that note, I will ask you guys, what, what do you guys think? Do you think they hoaxed it and Ed and Lorraine came in and helped them hoax it and kind of drug it out a little bit longer than Matt or I think they should have if it was a hoax or, do you think it was legitimate and they they had something going on, but like in a lot of paranormal cases, they couldn't get any legitimate evidence of it? Yeah. Um, you know, let us know what you think and, uh, you know, hit us up in the Facebook group or whatever, and we'll be talking about this case again into this month when we do the yeah. live show. Yeah. You can save your questions for then. There you go. And uh, we'll be showing pictures then of the family and the house and Ed and Lorraine and all that stuff. Yeah. But in the meantime, you can go over to our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can purchase some Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can get that baby onesie that we used to talk about. Heck yeah. Um, Cool coffee mug like Adam's got. Um, Saw a killer hoodie. Yeah. In the Facebook group the other day. That looked sharp. I like yep, it. I want one now. Yeah, yeah. You can also find a little bit more about Adam and myself. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And thank you so much to everyone who has donated to the show. We've got some new Patreon episodes coming out shortly. Uh, but thank you so much. And uh, please go and rate and review us on iTunes. It gets us up the chart and brings more people to the graveyard. Uh, and as Adam mentioned, go check out our Facebook group. There's uh, we're we're almost four thousand members strong. Heck yeah! Um, there's a lot of lot of good discussion and uh, some humor and and help in there. A lot of great people. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so go check that out. And uh, until next time.
we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 